0: Welcome to The Black Madonna Speaks with me, your host, Stephanie Georgiev. Thank you so much for joining me in this divine and delightful delve into all things Black Madonna. At the time of this recording of this episode, we are in the season of epiphany, and what an epiphany it is. The new year has gotten off to quite a dramatic start, but these are dramatic times. I, for one, am grateful for all the messages and presence of the Black Madonna as we navigate these very challenging times. We are now past the half-year mark for the Black Madonna Speaks podcast. So far, all the statistics as well as the response from listeners and supporters, this is the little podcast that could, and with your help, which it spreads Healing messages from this unique approach to the Virgin Mary. I want to extend a special thanks to my long-term Patreon supporters and to welcome a few new ones. Jessica V, Aaron O, and Elia V, as in Victor, we've got two V's here. These lovely people are the newest members of the Black Madonna Speaks community. I'm so grateful for your support and welcome you warmly into our mutual journey of the soul. Without your sustained support, this podcast would not be possible. As some of you may know by now, my upcoming trip to Namibia is almost sold out. There are a few places left, and I mean that, just a few so if this trip appeals to you, please contact Sarnia Giton through Sophia Services and the links are in the program notes. Sophia Services has a couple of trips planned this year, so make sure you check out the link for In Search of Sacred Origins in Africa, The Golden Heart of the World. There you will find a detailed itinerary and booking form which has all sorts of pertinent information on deposits and such. Sarnia and I created both a podcast as well as a YouTube video on all aspects of this tour. And again, the links to those are in the program notes. For the next few podcasts, I will be covering a few of the topics for the talks I will present on the tour next September. If you are a Patreon supporter at the Divine Angel level, you will be receiving the transcripts for the talks that will be presented and copies of all the slides from the Namibia trip. All levels of Patreon supporters will be receiving chapters from the upcoming, as yet unpublished, book on which the tour is based. This book, The Black Madonna, mysterious wisdom from the South is truly a labor of love and for me has been an eye-opening, soul-enriching experience as I delve deeper into the mysteries of the Black Madonna. As you have heard me say before, my guiding star for all my research on the Black Madonna is the tenet set forth by Rudolf Steiner in a series of lectures presented in book called The Influence of Spiritual Beings on Humanity. The principle set forth by Steiner, philosopher and founder of Anthroposophy, goes as follows. Art is the creation of organs through which the gods are able to speak to humanity. For me, my journey has been to comprehend what the gods are saying to humanity through these images. This context has led me on so many delightful and profound threads, which are and will be reflected in numerous books, some already be published and others in the pipeline, so to speak. One of the interesting threads that has been for me is noticing that most of the European Black Madonna images, particularly statues, but also some icons, were not created in Europe. Many of them, particularly one that we will be exploring later in this podcast, Our Lady of Hall, presents as African. Scholars, art historians, and some religious spokespeople say that these Madonnas are black because of candle smoke. But according to that famous paper presented at the American Academy for the Advancement of Science in the 1950s on the Black Madonna, Most black Madonnas in Europe are black for, and I quote the paper here, an unknown reason. If you read my book, The Black Madonna Mysterious Soul Companion, you can explore the reasons I think these Madonnas are black. And a side note, please know that what I present and write on is my perception based on my research. I welcome and encourage all perspectives And I also encourage my listeners to draw their own conclusions. My only purpose in all of this is to spark a desire for my listeners and readers to go on their own journey of exploration, the journey of the soul. And that's my term for what I have been doing. What I have discovered, I feel, is a healing impulse for individuals and culture, and I am blessed to have a platform to present this impulse, thanks to the support of my community, you, my listeners, subscribers, and patrons. For me, how these images came to Europe, the myths and legends surrounding them, and the lack of any record of who made them, other than the Evangelist Luke, has been the most fascinating aspect of my research. The Black Madonna, if one accepts Steiner's reflection on the purpose of art, offers interesting insights and messages for the first thousand years of Christianity. For me, these messages and these images are guides for the future of the Christ impulse on earth, how it is to be approached, And what is the purpose? According to my studies, there are several migrations, if you will, of these works of art to the European continent. Firstly, there is a record of the influence and evangelization of Coptic monks to the European continent in the fourth century. These souls brought their art with them, and since they were from northern Africa and Egypt, The Madonnas they brought looked like the beautiful dark-skinned artists from this region of the globe. I also have noted that many Black Madonnas were either discovered in the 9th century or became quite popular during this time. The next phase of migration was the Black Madonnas being brought to Europe in the hands of the Crusaders and Knights Templar, during the age of the Crusades, which lasted from 1096 through 1300. For me personally, I find these images of dark Madonnas fascinating as well as mysterious, hence the word in the title of all of my books. What is interesting to me is when they appear, especially when they become prominent in the cultural imagination. In my book on the Virgin of Guadalupe, she appeared at a pivotal point in history at the beginning of the Age of Exploration, which also essentially codified a cultural practice of materialism in all aspects of civilization and religion. And this Age of Exploration we are trying to emerge from right now. One of the great outcomes of this period of history from the 1500s through the 1800s was a tandem expansion of materialism, meaning the only thing that exists on the material plane are things that you can sense with your five senses. So seeing, touching, tasting, smelling, and hearing. Now, this age also ushered in an expansion of globalization in terms of economy and a materialistic economy and how these themes weave together to create a global culture that devalues the earth, the feminine and darkness in general. This devaluing of the earth, the feminine and darkness has its most painful expression in the subjugation of indigenous peoples in the continents that were exploited for materialistic economic purposes. Now, don't get me wrong. The material world is real. Obviously, matter exists and has value in and of itself, but if the material is valued as the only reality and placed above all other phenomena, Well, we're experiencing with great zeal the consequences of this orientation. I personally see the discovery, appearance, and mass adoration of the Black Madonna as a counter to the negative developments in human evolution, particularly the ones that started emerging during the time of the discoveries of Black Madonnas. These images for me are loving invitations from the spiritual world that there are different, more healing ways to approach life on Earth. There are two of my talks, which will be presented on the Namibia trip in September, which lay the groundwork for understanding how we, humanity, and the cosmos have developed One is on cosmic origins based on the cosmology book and other lectures of Rudolf Steiner called Cosmic Memory. This talk will explore the pre-recorded history of humanity, the different evolutionary periods of the Earth in ways that our modern geology has until recently not had such an orientation relegating such notions as myth and imagination and how all of this has led to the development of our understandings of Africa, her land, her people, and her purpose. One of the many messages of the gods through the Black Madonna, there is one that is particularly interesting to me is that these Madonnas are very earthly, earthy, meaning they represent the earth. They are found in caves, buried underground and such. They are also dark-skinned. For me, they represent not only the past, but our cosmic origins. The Black Madonnas also express divinity in dark skin. The plethora of books and articles written by people whose heritage comes from Africa attest this. As a Slavic American of the middle of the 20th century, I really had to think of my skin color. For me, all the images that I was exposed to, Mary and Jesus were symbols of spiritual beings. I never had to wonder if I was included in these messages. I never had to wonder if I was part of the community of Christians on earth. This has not always been so for a large majority of people who encounter Christianity, specifically through the arts. I cannot emphasize enough how healing this artistic expression is for everyone, meaning every person, regardless of ethnicity or race, to witness a Madonna who has dark skin. Well, obviously spirit has no skin color per se. We humans do, and our main orientation these days is through the material. Racism excludes, it harms, it hurts. And to have an image with dark skin that says you have the divine within is profoundly universal and profoundly Christian. As an aside, especially because of what's happening across the world, Christian nationalism is a complete oxymoron. Note the definition of oxymoron. An oxymoron is a figure of speech, which apparently contradictory terms appear in conjunction. Christ has no nation he represents He is a member of the cosmic community, of which we humans are also a member by virtue of our existence. Christian nationalism is akin to saying Christian atheism. I stumbled upon an excellent quote from Rudolf Steiner in my recent research. The quote comes from a lecture in the series Festivals and Their Meaning and the title of the lecture is Christmas at a Time of Grievous Destiny. As I celebrated Christmas and the Holy Nights here in Bulgaria with Ukrainian refugees a mere 400 miles from the unspeakable horrors plaguing that part of the earth, the title sort of grabbed my attention. The original lecture was given in December of 1916, two years into the tragedy of the First World War. The cl- quote that really grabbed my attention was as follows, quote, Those who strive to worship Christ as a nationalistic god deny Christ most deeply. Nationalistic gods are inferior to Christianity, to Christian reality, unquote. Something that is difficult in our modern culture to assert is that a nation is made up of only one ethnic or racial group. Obviously, specifically in the Americas, meaning the USA, Canada, Mexico, and all of Central and South America, these nations are made up of citizens from many different backgrounds. There has been much migration between continents in the last hundred years for various reasons. With the stresses of wars and climate change, many groups of people will be moving across the globe. So the notion of a uniform ethnic makeup of a nation is simply not going to be the reality now or in the future. This new reality is why the religious art form of the Black Madonna at this particular point in human evolution is so important. The message from the spiritual world which these Madonnas convey are vital to the health and harmony of our communities. Something I learned through my research into the origins of the Black Madonna and the first millennium of Christianity is how ignorant we humans are of our origins. As I was blessed to be born into a very ecumenical family, my mother was a Southern Baptist and my father an Eastern Orthodox, I was exposed to the rituals and values of both traditions in a warm, loving, and positive manner. Personally, my wounding from religion came much later in life, a shock, I might say, as to how exclusionary and bigoted some forms of community behavior express themselves under the guise of calling themselves Christians. Luckily for me, my foundation was strong and I've never rejected Christ or Christianity, only the methods which, which some of its members who call themselves part of the movement practice. While being exposed to Eastern Christianity from an early age, the history of this practice was something I had to search for, much to the astonishment of my sweet father. When I would ask him certain questions, he basically had to shrug his shoulders and say he did not know, but he sure could sing the liturgy. The modern Western understanding of both archaeology as well as Christian history is that human civilization began in an area where modern Iraq is located. Referred to Sumer or Mesopotamia, it is thought that this is where it all began. Christianity is correctly understood to have originated in Palestine and then moving on to Asia Minor in an area that is currently known as Turkey and Greece. Christianity then moved west to the Balkans, Europe, and beyond. According to this line of thinking, human civilization is about 10,000 years old. And some of our brethren think the entire world is around 6,000 years old. Again, my dear listeners, you can decide what concepts you are comfortable with. Modern archaeology, as well as some very interesting discoveries all over the earth, from the Amazon basin to Turkey and southern Africa, along with DNA science and carbon dating chemistry, we're finding that human civilization, as well as the planets, has had several iterations and are much older than previously thought. It's also come to light that both humans and the Earth can be cruising along for a good long while and then dramatic, almost immediate jumps in development occur. Basic Darwinian evolution states there were several cycles of humans, Neanderthals, and so on up to our current Homo sapien existence. Obviously, Darwin is very controversial, But at the risk of adding to the controversy, his theories are also starting to both be expanded upon and actually contradicted with modern science and technology. In an incredible book by Brian Swim and Father Thomas Berry, they weave an amazing narrative of the cosmos and earth evolution, blending science and spirituality. The book is called The Universe Story, From Primordial Flaring Forth to the Ecozoic Era, A Celebration of the Unfolding of the Cosmos. I had the deep pleasure of attending author weekends and many workshops with both of these visionaries during the 1980s and 1990s. Father Barry has since passed on, but Swimmy is still at it, this amazing book is available through various sources and even used if you want, but not unfortunately as an ebook. I highly recommend you obtain a copy as it really is incredible reading, let me tell you. We know that, according to astrophysicists, who are actually quite a spiritual bunch, uh, an aside did you know that the Vatican has an observatory? And the priests there all conduct sorts of scientific experiments. And these priests have PhDs in physics and astronomy. Another side, there is a really neat podcast you can listen to on the subject. And the link to this podcast is in the program notes for those of you who are interested. Back to the subject at hand. Geologists are also getting in on the thread And both sciences are saying that while basic evolution happens over long periods of time, there are also periods of instant leaps in human earth, biological and geological development. The development of the atmosphere on earth, for instance, for a long time was not present. And then all of a sudden it was. The development of flowering plants in another instance... Once the plants were without flowers and all of a sudden a leap, so to speak, there were flowers on earth. For biblical literalists in the materialistic sense, they tend to refute such science and dating of the planet, mainly because of those words in Genesis which state on the first day and so on. But there are also interesting and confounding verses in the Bible that such as who were Adam and Eve, and who did their children marry, and the existence of large people, giants, and other instances. When we look at Genesis, as well as other narratives and myths of the creation of the universe, we can often dismiss them as simple stories trying to explain our origins in a poetic form. Our modern language, specifically the Latin-based languages, such as English, German, Spanish, and Italian, to just name a few, are considered by some linguists to be crude attempts at translating scripture specifically for the West. It is one reason many seminaries and the ancient church used Greek and Hebrew as the basis for the Bible as these languages more accurately embody the mystical meaning of sacred texts. If we look to the mystical understandings of the ancient texts from mystical languages, as well as other traditions in terms of sacred origins, and overlap these narratives with recent discoveries, in terms of understanding our origins as humans on Earth within a cosmos, it is an interesting pattern that develops. Not only are there not conflicts between biblical and mythical creation stories and science, they're actually conveying the same thing. How does this all relate to the Black Madonna and in search of sacred origins in Africa. Many of you have either read of or heard me talk of my experience at the foot of Our Lady of Czestochowa in Poland, on that misty, cold All Saints Day in 2008, where me and four other devoted pilgrims sat through various masses in different languages. As I looked at the image, I felt as if I was peering into a portal to the cosmos. I could not decipher the image from my vantage point. Only the golden riza, which was over the image, showing the Madonna's face and that of the child's. As they looked black to me from where I was sitting, it was as if I was looking out a window into the cosmos on a moonless night. I've come to understand these images, which are black and often crowned with stars, that are often buried or hidden underground or in caves. These images are incredible connectors between the heavens and the earth. I have also come to appreciate the history behind their creation, their travels, and what they represent as a gentle and loving reminder to look at our origins, both as human members of the cosmic community on Earth, but also from where Christianity has evolved over the 2,000 years it has been active on the planet. Rudolf Steiner articulates what we call prehistory and cosmic history in his book, Cosmic Memories. In a term that he uses, which is often misunderstood as a racist trope, root races, Steiner outlines our cosmic heritage on Earth, how we evolved, gained wisdom, and experience through these stages, which have led to where we are now. Recent discoveries in DNA, as well as archaeology in Asia Minor, as well as Southern Africa, show that the African continent is actually the cradle of humanity. We know there were major communications and trade between ancient southern Africa and India, and recent excavations show highly developed civilizations which date back hundreds of thousands of years in the areas of southern Africa. Archaeologists state that the structures of these civilizations mainly developed around the veins of gold that permeate the land there. We are also learning through historical exploration how Christianity flourished in Africa in the first four centuries after Christ's incarnation. Christianity is often thought as something European colonists forced on the natives specifically in Africa, Asia, and the Americas. But that is not actually true, particularly in Africa. In fact, Christianity was a cosmopolitan movement throughout both Roman Africa as well as native communities. For many reasons, which would take hours to cover, this vital history has literally been whitewashed from popular consciousness starting in the 1600s around the time of intense development of materialistic globalization in terms of the slave trade between Europe, Africa, and the Americas. This is what I will be covering in the talks that will be given in Namibia in September 2023. Again, if you would like to be present in the flesh for these presentations, there are, as of January 2023, only a few spaces left. I am, as I have said before, writing a book on the subject and my Patreon supporters will be receiving chapters as they are written. Now for a delightful and mysterious Black Madonna that embodies much of this origin story, Our Lady of Hall in Belgium. Hall, and I think it's pronounced Hall, it could be pronounced Hall, definite um, apologies to the the, uh, people who live in Belgium to my pronunciation. But Hall is a city outside of Bruges in Belgium. It is also, as is Bruges, on the Camino de Santiago de Compostela. I just love it when my theories on the Black Madonna are proven. Just tickles me to be right sometimes. Borders have always played an important history of Hall. Already in the prehistoric era, before the Roman conquests, a tribe of Nervi, and again, apologies to my mispronunciation, which was either a Germanized Celtic people or a Celticized Germanic people, lived in the region. In the 7th century, St. Valtrude of the Maravogian dynasty, that famous dynasty, gave some of her inherited land around Hall to the chapter the Abbey, which she had just founded in Mons. In the 8th century, Herbutus, Archbishop of Tongren, founded a church dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, this church may have been the start of the devotion that still continues today. A fun fact, Hellerbaus, the nearby forest named after the town is known for a prolific bluebell carpet which covers the florist floor for a few weeks each spring. In the language of flowers, the bluebell is a symbol of humility, constancy, and gratitude, as well as everlasting love. It is said that if you turn a bluebell flower inside out without tearing it, you will win the one you love. And if you wear a wreath of bluebells, you will only be able to speak the truth. The miraculous statue of the Virgin arrived in Hall in 1267 as a wedding gift to John II, Count of Holland and of Hainaut. According to tradition, Ludwig IV of Thuringia, again, my pronunciation is very Californian, sent this and three other black Madonnas home to his wife, St. Elizabeth of Hungary in 1231, when he was on his way to the Crusades. He never made it further than southern Italy. St. Elizabeth left the statue to her daughter, Sophie of Brabant, who in turn left it to her daughter, Matilda, Countess of Holland who then gave it to the Church of St. Martin in 1267. The Cult of Mary attracted important visitors and was a popular pilgrim destination of this era. Of note is that Hall, again, I said this before, is on the Camino de Santiago de Compostela. The Black Madonna of Hall is honor is housed in St. Martin's Basilica, And this church, this basilica, is usually called Our Lady Basilica. And the chapel of Our Lady is where the image can be viewed. And this dates from 1335 and the actual church from 1409. The statue of the Virgin Mary, as she is also called, is 95 centimeters or three feet tall. Before 1267, the head and hands were carved from walnut wood. The remainder of the image is a rough frame covered with linen strips and tallow. Hal is interesting in that the presentation is very similar to Isis and Horus statues. Our Lady is one of the first type that appears in Western Europe towards the end of the Middle Ages. Formal, formally called virgo lactans, which I think would be a really neat name for a breastfeeding group. This translated, virgo Lactane translated means nursing virgin. This presentation is similar to Isis statues, which are also nursing the infant Horus. This notable statue, of Our Lady of Mercy stands upon the high altar in the basilica. The visitor's book for the basilica, which is kept in the crypt, mentions 59 miracles to this image. Present also in the crypt since the early 1400s is a large oak trunk, which is thought to have been a stand or a pedestal for either an ancient pagan goddess associated with the site Or older statues of the Virgin. The Black Madonna of Hall, like so many others, was right in the middle of history and conflict, in this instance between Catholics and Protestants. Our Lady of Hall, as the most ancient and most important Marian Shrine of Belgium, became the symbol and rallying point for Belgian Catholics of the day. While Protestants of the Reformation swept Europe, demolishing many religious statues and churches, local Protestants made it a priority to destroy the Black Madonna of Hall. These dedicated people predated French revolutionary soldiers who would finish off so many Black Madonnas in the 18th century. In 1580, an important battle took place a Protestant army laid siege to the town, bombarding it with cannonballs. Legend reports that the Queen of Heaven came to the rescue, appearing on the city walls and intercepting the fiery balls in her lap, just like her sister in Lithuania. But that's another story. The gunpowder from all the thwarted cannonballs turned her black. The grateful population brought hundreds of cannonballs that had landed inside the city to the walls of Our Lady, piling them under her bell tower. Thirty-two of those are still kept in the church. And you can buy at local tourist stores uh, pictures of the Virgin holding the infant Jesus standing on cannonballs, which I just think is really cute. I love this story. It's a 16th century Patriot Missile Program. Like other Madonnas, this one was a very healing one and brought out during times of plague. In 1667, an epidemic ravaged the city. In response, the Black Madonna was carried out in prayerful procession that stopped at all churches and chapels in the city. The plague stopped And the date of this original procession was the first Sunday in September, which is also near the festival of the Nativity of Mary. The procession that stopped the plague is commemorated every year on the first Sunday in September. An interesting side note, it is the existence, there is an existence of a church in Camden, England, aptly named Our Lady of Hall. Because of the wool trade in medieval and Renaissance times, there was a deep connection between Belgium, also known as Flanders, and England. The royalty of England became a familiar sight to the people of Hall in Belgium as they came to pay their respects to the Virgin. These visits also helped to establish trading relations. Of note is that Henry VIII, in his Catholic and pre-Anne-Blind days, when he was considered a defender of the faith, presented a magnificent silver monstrance to the Shrine of Hall to celebrate his victory over the French. During World War I, Belgium once again became the bomb target of a war, which laid the town quite to waste. Father Damien of Molokai and the missionary fathers of Shute, also known as the Congregation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, were determined to establish a base from which they could direct their missionary efforts and be safe from the disruption of invasion and war. As many Belgian refugees were already living in London, it was felt that a church in this region of the world would serve the double purpose of being a refuge for the Belgian Catholic community of London and a base for missionary activities. This is how Our Lady of Hall became a parish in Camden, England, in those dramatic days and this parish is still in existence to this day with the replica of Our Lady of Hall for all to enjoy. So we can see this interesting thread to our sacred origins in Our Our Lady of Hall, meaning she was brought from the Holy Land during the Crusades in an image reminiscence of Isis and Horus and participated in the turbulent history of Europe in the millennia following. I personally like the cannonball hindrance, very pertinent to our times. So thank you so much for sharing your valuable time with me. Again, a special thanks to my Patreon supporters. And if you're so moved to join me in Namibia in September, the link to the itinerary and booking information is in the program notes. If you would like to receive chapters from the upcoming book, as they are written and edited, as well as receive other benefits, please consider becoming a patron. Tune in next week when we will explore another Black Madonna and another one of the topics of the talks I will give in Namibia. The title of this podcast and the talks is The Golden Connection. Until next time, blessings on your journey.